Today we want to talk about the lack of wisdom. We can go through our daily life, spiritual or physical, and whenever we get to a place where we don't understand what to do next, James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, ask. And who do we ask? God. He's the one that has all the answers. But so many times people just don't understand or say, I don't understand. I'm doing everything these verses say. They tell me to ask in faith and I've done all that I, and that, and I'm still not receiving any answer from the Lord. Does that sound familiar? Please tell me why I have not received from God. That's a good question, but the pastor doesn't know all the answers because this verse gives us the best pastoral advice given. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask of God. We can go to a human being and they can give you worldly advice, but we need spiritual advice. There's some reason why it's not working. Because the word says if you ask of God, he will give you the answer. Now, when God says that, he's not a liar. That means he's going to do it. And this word of means to be alongside And God is literally saying, draw near to me. Technically, he's saying, do you really know me? And if we know him, then we can ask for that wisdom. So if you come alongside of God as close to him as you can, you will see that God gives. God is a giver. He created us to give too. But what is he going to give us to what he's written in the Bible? That is the will of God. Every scripture in that Bible is his will. So in order to find out what his will is, we have to ask. So the Bible says, let him ask of a living God. In other words, the true God, the one and only. And that's the one we serve. The Bible says you shall have no other gods before you, but you can take anything in the world, even a car, and you can love that car more than you, God. So he's saying that he's the one to go to. The car can't give you any advice. He just asks that you draw near to him, and he'll show you everything you need to know about why your faith doesn't seem to be working. So the key here is drawing near. How do you draw near to him? We just said that he is the word. So every verse is God. And if you study that verse and understand it, now that part of God comes inside you. Now you're drawing near to him one scripture at a time. So the verse says, let him ask of God that gives to all men. Anybody that 
loves him with all their heart, soul, and mind, he will answer. So some might say, well, I know that God would answer some people, but maybe not me. Is that person ever going to get anything? Because you get what you say, and he's saying, well, I don't think God's going to tell me. Technically, he got what he said, didn't he? But that isn't what we want. We want to say, yes, we can get everything from him, and then listen. Because again, he gives to all men. So ask in faith, and he will answer you. Now, that's a promise. When God promises something, he will fulfill it. So the person we were talking about before, he he didn't understand who God is because he doesn't know God. If he knew God, he would never say, maybe not me. But we know God, so we know then if we ask, he's going to give us the answer. So it is God's promise to give to all men. Can't say that enough because the word promise here Once he promises something, he has to do it. He's the one that said this, not man. He said, if I say it, I will do it. That's a promise. Religious thinking says maybe God will just give us a little tidbit of information. Well, we aren't religious. We're Christians. We love God with all our heart. He's going to give us all the information. So wisdom gives generously and plentifully. In other words, he's going to give us everything we need at that time. So what is that time? If you have a problem, it can be a physical problem, it can be a spiritual problem. We don't know how to deal with it. So we come to God and say, how do I pray Because prayer is saying, we have to say to the problem. So we want to know, what do we say to the problem? So first we ask God, and then once we get it, then we say it, and it comes to pass. So God will richly answer you, but as his child, he's wanting you to draw near so that he can bless you. Drawing near is getting in that scripture, studying it. But what is the blessing? The blessing is the answer. It should be the blessing. Because when he created the spirit man, what did he say? That everything you do will be blessed. Meaning blessed means you are empowered to prosper in everything you say and do. He says, I'll tell you what you want to know, and I'll even tell you more. Because we're asking him how to pray. He will tell us what to say, but he will also tell you what the result is going to be at the end. So people are afraid to draw near to God because they're afraid he will judge them. Well, I can tell you right now that that person doesn't know who God is. 
God is not looking to judge you. He wants to help you, to bless you, and he needs you to believe in him. Right there. If you're close to him and you know him, you will believe every word in that Bible, and you will never question it. No yeah, buts, no what ifs. God promises that if you draw alongside him, his glory will shine on you, and he will show you what you need. His glory will shine on us. James 1, 6 through 8 says, Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for a wave of the sea is driven with the wind and tossed. For let not a man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord because he is a double-minded, unstable in all his ways. In other words, you can't say, I know him, but yet say, I don't know if he's going to give it to me. That's a double standard. You either know him and you do what he says, or you don't know him and you don't do what he says. There's no in-between. So notice how verse 6 begins, let him ask in faith. So if we're going to ask, here's the way you need to do it. The word ask is so very important, and it means to make a request, to make a petition. But at this next one, there is no what ifs. It's so strong that you can even be translated to demand. So let us demand in faith what? The answer. He says, you ask me so we can demand that he give it to us. But now let's look at what it says here. It means to ask with the full expectation of receiving what is firmly requested. If you look it up in the King Erida Webster, it says, demand means give it to me or else. No, what demand in the God's kingdom means it's already yours. You're my son. I already spoke it in the Bible. It's already yours. Ask me, and I will give it to you. So if you're going to ask God, you have to ask in faith. Now, faith, again, is that Believing. Do you believe what he's saying? So the word in means being rooted in asking from a faith position. In other words, we're a spirit being. We're in God's kingdom. We're not asking from the earth and wanting him to do something. No, we're sitting right next to God in heaven and we're saying, Hey, Father, what do I do here? We're, so our position is we're seated in heavenly places. That's our position. And because we're his son, everything that is his is ours. In other words, if you've got children, they don't have to ask you to go into the refrigerator and get a glass of milk. It's the same thing with God. He's given us all these scriptures and we don't have to ask him, can I use this scripture? No, it, it, if 
belongs to us. So we ask as a son and daughter. Then God does something very unusual. Rather than give us a lesson on how faith behaves, he tells us how faith does not behave. You ever look in the Bible, it always got that word not. I'll give you an example. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. That must be the way the Greeks talk. But we would say, let him ask in faith. Period. There is no wavering. So the word wavering is described as one going back and forth. He's changing his mind all the time, constantly moving around. One day he prays one thing and by the next day he's praying something else. He didn't believe the first prayer. So now he's praying a second one, hoping that one of the two is going to hit. So faith stands still and knows what it wants. It doesn't move. And that is why God says, ask in faith, nothing moving around on your request. In other words, you say it, and God does it, and that's the end of it. For he that wavered is like a wave of the sea driven by the wind. We're not going to allow Satan to get in there and tell us, well, I don't think that's what this scripture means. Well, if you already asked God and you got the wisdom, you already know what it means. So God wants to bless us, but he can't even find us because we are constantly moving around. In other words, Another way to say it is we pray a shotgun prayer. Heal me from the top of the head to the bottom of my feet. Well, you got to zero in on something in between. So the verse goes on to say they're driven with the wind and tossed. In other words, they will not receive anything because they're not saying it in faith. There's doubt. Where there's doubt, there is no faith. So the man who doesn't stand still in what he's asking... Let that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. He will not receive anything from the Lord. So one day the Lord hears the person pray, and by the time the answer shows up, the person has already changed his mind, and he's praying for something else. He's already gone somewhere else with his faith. If that is faith working here, I don't So remember, faith stands still. Because you went to God, he told you what to say. Now there's no doubts in your mind. You say it and you stand still. So when a believer cannot stand in faith in what he says, he's wavering back and forth. Like say you tell angels to protect you. Well, you can't see if they're there or not, so you say, yeah, I hope they're there. Well, that is not faith. The Bible says that a man cannot be blessed because he's double-minded, unstable, and what he focuses and thinks on. So it says you're man. That would be your flesh. We are not a fleshly being, so we don't talk like that. Because he is unstable in all his ways. Because the Greek word ways 
is a road of life that you walk on until your entire life becomes a picture that produces destruction. If you're wavering back and forth, you're not going to get anything. That is how important it is that you know what you want and you stick with it when you ask. Verse 9 says, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Low degree means what if, yeah, but. But when he gets the answer, now he isn't wavering anymore. He's now rejoicing and God exalts him. Because this describes one that has lost everything, the one that has been humbled from self-importance has been reduced. He says he let him rejoice and that he's exalted because the word rejoice means confident, how do you say that, confidentially about something. It describes a high position. In other words, we're confident that he said it. That settles it. There's no wavering, no yabots. Verse 10 says, life couldn't get any better, but at the end of life, it doesn't matter how much you're retained, it's all going to come and go anyway, and that's what words pass away means. This is the Bible talking here. He's talking still about that person that's wavering back and forth. And verse 11 says, he says, for the sun is no sooner risen but a burning heat, but it withers the grass and a beautiful life. That's still talking about that wavering person that doesn't listen to what God has to say. So this also pictures a flower that is blossoming and suddenly the petals become loosened and one by one the petals begin to fall off. And here he's describing the end of life. Where do we want to end up? Following the world or following God? Verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. So in verse 11, if we uh, stay in the world, our life is going to end. But in verse 12, it says we're blessed because we didn't give in to that temptation, and now we do have life. Because it goes on to say the word blessed in the Greek, it means you are empowered to prosper. So the word prosper here doesn't mean money, it means whatever you need. If you need health, you say it and you prosper in health. So whatever you say, it's going to work. So this is a Greek word which pictures one who sticks it out regardless of the pressures that are coming against him. So we are the ones that do not give up because God already said, this is what you say and this is what you're going to get. We already know the beginning before the end or the end before the beginning. I said it backwards. It is staying power. Hang in there and 
attitude that holds out, that hangs in there, never giving up and refusing to surrender to obstacles and turning down every opportunity to quit. Where do we get all them obstacles and that wanting to quit that comes from the devil? We're not supposed to be listening to him because all he's trying to do is steal everything we have. God is trying to give everything that we need. This picture is one who's under a heavy load but refuses to break and surrender. So no matter what problem we have, if we can go to God and ask him how do we pray, he will tell us. And the word temptation describes a trial that has come to cause you to fail, to stumble, or be destroyed. Temptation is always comes from the enemy. God never tempts us. He knows our heart. So he telling us what to get out of our heart. In other words, he's correcting us. Don't think this way, think my way. The Bible says when a trial comes to take you down, it's the work of the devil and your job is to endure to boldly stick it out. And I would say, devil, you're a liar. I don't. I refuse to accept anything you have to say. Those fiery darts that are coming at us. So to say I'm going to flinch, I'm going to maintain what God has promised me. That's what we're saying. That, there's no way I'm going to go against what God said because I know he's already blessed me and I already have what I need. So I will not surrender to that. For when he has tried, that trying is not from the Lord. So we're not going to surrender to all that stuff. It's trying that comes from the enemy. You got that word that says test, try, tempt. It's all the same word. And so no matter how you say it, it's kind of like the tease. Trial, tempt, try, them are all from the enemy. You made a bold confession of faith and the devil comes to try you to see if you're serious and it becomes your opportunity to confirm that your faith is real. There's that word try again. That is saying... Well, if you don't know what I'm made of, well, we're made of what? God. We draw nigh to him. He draws nigh to us. We have the same goal. We have the same mind. We know what we're made of. So we say, I will not bend. I will not break. I am serious to show you and confirm my faith and will not move around every time I feel pressure. In other words, I know what to do and when the enemy starts to tell me, no, that's not the way to go, we don't listen to him, we keep on moving. Now, verse 12, that person shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him, the ones that do not give in. We will, he promised us 
everything we need we will have and we're going to believe it and move on. That's why this person is blessed. He has found the key to receiving whatever he needs in life and is not changing his mind and moving around all the time. But he's enduring, saying, this is my spot. This is what I'm asking God for. You cannot listen to that negative thought. I'm not going to budge. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to blink or flinch. I'm going to stay right here until I receive what I have requested. Can we do that? Sometimes it takes patience. But it isn't our patience, it's God's patience. So if you do that, the Bible says you will be blessed because God will find you. He will make sure that you understand it. He will locate you in your faith and God will give you the very thing that you're believing for. We don't get anything else out of this message right here. He will locate you in your faith. Wherever faith is, that's where God is. And he will give you the very thing you're believing for. In other words, you give you the answer, you say it, and it will be there. So supernatural joy will empower you to make it through difficult circumstances. Because if we look at the situation through the flesh, it seems like it's so big that nothing we can do, which is true, only God can do it. Now verse 13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted any man with evil. So this verse right here says it all, doesn't it? So temptation then doesn't come from him. It comes from the devil. So how can you possibly allege that God has allowed tragedy in your life? That's what religion says. God puts something on you to teach you something. That isn't what this scripture says, is it? It says that when you're tempted, you're not tempted of God because he cannot be tempted with evil, nor can he tempt any man. So you can't tempt him and he can't tempt you. So if somebody tells you that whatever you have is because God's testing you, that's a lie. So there's the very thing we would use to describe the temptation that Jesus experienced when he was in the wilderness, when the devil did everything he could bring Jesus down. Three times he was tempted. But all three times he said, the word and the devil took off. Why? Jesus took care of all the curse and our sickness. Where? On the cross. So if you're sick, you were healed 2,000 years ago. Do you believe it? Jesus was like a net that caught all of it so that it would not pass on to us. In other words, what did he, all the sickness, all the curses, it's not going to be passed on to us. Do you believe it? Once evil in the person of Lucifer tried to 
get into heaven when God removed it because God doesn't have any evil. In other words, he kicked Lucifer out of heaven because Lucifer decided he was God. So evil is not allowed in God's presence. So if you're in his presence, when is that? Technically all the time because he's living in you, isn't he? He doesn't have any to send your way. He cannot do it. No evil comes from him. So if anybody asks, is there anything that God cannot do, this verse will say God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man with evil. So there are things God can't do. But it's all for our benefit. This is why you need to know what comes from God and what doesn't come from God. Because when you go to ask God, don't you think the enemy is going to try to slip in a thought and make you think it's from him? Because verse 14 says, Every man is tempted when he's drawn away from his own lust and enticed. So we know the temptation is coming from the devil, right? But what does he mean by drawn away? Once we come to God, our whole thought pattern changes because we don't have desires to sin anymore. So he puts a thought in us without realizing it, we verbalize it. He drew that out of us when in a weak moment. But verse 15 says, when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and when it is finished, brings forth death. So if we do let him draw that out of us right away, because we know who we are, we recognize it, and we ask God to forgive us. But the person that doesn't ask forgiveness it says it brings forth sin, and sin then is finished bringing forth death. So that is not talking about us anymore. It's talking about the flesh. Because it goes on to say, Every man, when he is tempted, it is calculated trial to bring you down to destruction and ruin in your life. How do you recognize the temptation? If you know the word, it's opposite of the Word. It's trying to draw you away from God, and the Word draws you to God. So here we have the picture of something luring us out of a safe place. That's what he's trying to do. We are in God's protection, but if he can get us to get into fear, we're in his uh kingdom and we just stepped out of God's kingdom. So this is speaking to believers who are playing with thoughts that are wrong and the thoughts that are luring them out. Like God put this on me to teach me. That's a wrong thought. You need to be careful what you think you need and focus on it. So you even ask God, is this a need? So be careful who you are listening to because you are in a safe place in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that?
if not, get in the Word until you do. So if we're in that safe place, then healing belongs to us. We just said before, when Jesus died on the cross, healing or sickness was defeated. Deliverance belongs to us. So anything that the enemy is trying to put us in and get us out of that safe place, we can still be delivered back into it. But the devil will try to draw you out of that place. And I mean, he will do it. He'll give you a thousand thoughts a day trying to draw you away. So the verse goes on to say, when lust had conceived. How do you conceive that lust? You That thought that he put in your mind, once you re- receive it, now it becomes a sin. So the Greek word for conceived means pregnant. Now it's yours. That seed of what you spoke is now inside you and is growing. But if we have that same place in Jesus Christ, what comes out of our mouth is the Word of God, and now we've become pregnant with that, and that's growing within, you know, love and joy and peace is growing inside us. So you need to be careful of what you think about. Because if the enemy puts a thought in your mind, and you don't resist it. Now he puts a second one in. And if you don't resist that, then there's a third one, then a fourth one. The next thing you know, you say, how did I get in this mess? And you have no hope to get out of it. But God is powerful. What If you don't think about what the enemy's telling you, think about what he's telling you. So let's look at verse 17. It says, what comes from God is every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variables, neither shadow of turning. Meaning that if God says something, he will never change his mind. That's what there's no variables in either shadow of turn, and he will never, ever change his mind. If he says it in a word, that's truth. You can go to the bank with it. So the word good in Greek describes anything profitable, and that's what we want. Remember, God adds, Satan subtracts. So God has given us what comes from above. When he... Before he even created the earth, everything that we ever needed was in heaven already. And what did we say before? That we we live in heavenly places. We're living right there with him. So gift in the Greek describes the habitual giving of God, which means this is not what God does once in a while. It's what God always does. He's not going to pick and choose and say, I'm going to give it to one and not the other. No. He gives it to the one that asked. Well, we repeat that. He gives it to the one that asked. You don't ask. 
he's not going to volunteer it. You would have to ask. It is his nature. Everything that comes from God is beneficial for your life. That's why he created you, so that he could give that life to you, his life. He calls them perfect gifts. And that word perfect really means that which adds maturity and which brings completion. Meaning that whatever you need, it's going to be complete. You're going to have it. So it is from God because this word perfect describes which completes you, that which adds to you. So if anything is happening to you that is taken away from you, it is it fails the test. It is not from God. Verse 17 says, It comes down from the Father of lights. Well, who is that? The God of heaven. Not the God of earth. That's Satan. The Greek word describes something that is dominating. In other words, if you're, God dominates everything because he created it. Now you're his son. He's saying, okay, now everything that I created that dominates, I'm giving you the power of attorney and the authority to say it down here on this earth and get the same results that I got. So God wants to shower us with his goodness and you have to take it by faith. Faith is that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know. So turn your eyes above to the Father. Don't listen to that other guy. In Greek it means if you could get right next up to God and look right into his very being, you would find that this issue of what he always gives, there is no veritable or no changing. He will never change his mind. Now just stop and think about that for a while. If you went to your earthly father and said something and he said, okay, you can have it, you know right away you can have it. Well, it's the same thing with God. When he says something in his word, you know that he's not going to change his mind. So you know that you have it. So then what does this mean? It refers to a Roman sundial. You say, what does that have to do with anything? It has a metal pole, and as the sun moves, the shadow begins to shift and move all the time. It's very in the shadow. It's constantly moving and never in the same place. Well, that is not God, is it? You don't have to wonder what is from God because of what God gives. He's constant. God never permits evil. He always does good. So if he doesn't permit evil, who does? We do by choosing the wrong thought. If it's bad, it's from the devil. If it's good, it's from God. I mean... Even before we came to God, we had a conscience. We already knew that. So if it adds to your life and it brings profit into your life, then it's from God. 
Because God gives you knowledge about what you should receive and what you should resist. So, the question is, do you see how powerful this teaching is? If you don't, then you're wavering. Because it is a fundamental to our life. And now we, just, we cannot live without it. It has been revolutionary for it guides you in the way that you think. How do you think? Because when you conceive it, it will produce life where you renew your mind to the truth. In other words, as you're studying the Word, it gives you a new way of thinking. It gives you a life way of thinking instead of a death way of thinking. That every good gift and every perfect gift really is from above. Because what is grace? Grace is what operates the new covenant. Everything is free. Isn't that a good gift? We don't have to do anything to earn it. Remember, God never changes. Why? Because he never changes. We have to ask for for wisdom. He said it, and now if we don't know it, we have to go to him and ask, how do I deal with this problem? So once we know it, we can know what to say to the mountain. The mountain is your problem. So when we say it in faith, God removes the problem. And that is all there is. Mm-hmm.